This is part two of our episode with Jae Yong. We hear about Jae Yong's insights into what the future holds for Asian Australians, his mission behind the Centre for Asian Australian Leadership, aka CAL, and Jae Yong gives us some words of wisdom for other Asian Australians looking to lead or do more in their own communities. If you haven't already, make sure you jump over to part one first before you tune into this episode. Enjoy! Because I think, um, and to Lee, who just won the award, congratulations to her. Hmm. Um, she mentioned to us many, many times, both on and off camera, it's like, you know, Asians spend a lot of time getting themselves to the table mm. and yeah. now we're at the table and we actually want yeah. to be part of the decision-making process. And I think this is a lot mm. about what Cal is doing um, as well. So are you able to sort of summarize or just sort of describe, you know, what the mission and what Cal does and how you're sort of involved in this mm. whole process? Cal's role is very simple. The mission is very simple, um, you know, aligning with the ANU's um, mandate as our national university, the only national university. So special plug to ANU, <laughs> so the national university. Um Cal's mission is very simple and straightforward, is to address um, this serious underrepresentation of Asian Australians in senior leadership positions across our public institutions and private sector corporations, whether it's, you know, executive boardrooms, whether it's, you know, town halls and parliaments, whether it's the media, whether it's higher education, um, it's real, or whether it's a sporting field, you know, like representing Australia um, in the Olympics or, you know, international sporting competitions. It's really about um, that national movement of living up to our mantra as a multicultural country. Mm. And we can't actually call ourselves the most successful multicultural country when our institutions don't reflect that. Mm. So I think that's, that's the really big driver for Cal. And ANU's you know, mandate as the national university is to create public change, you know, positive change using evidence-based research through academia, um, and through, um, you know, public policy impact. And, um, and so I'm very blessed and very lucky that and fortunate that ANU sees this as a national mission mm. because alongside other areas of diversity like gender equity, like Indigenous and First Nations, Asian Australians and cultural diversity should be at that level as well mm -hmm. as a national priority because it is about defining or redefining or rebranding rebranding mm -hmm. Australia yep. in terms of what it is, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, our, and our place in the world, not just who we are internally, um, not, not, not actually coming into acceptance of who we are as a country now. You know, I think we talked about it last night. Nearly 18% of the Australian population has an Asian heritage. That's nearly one out of five. Mm. Um, one, of, one out of five Australians has an Asian heritage, which is pretty huge. Mm. Um, so it's really about reshaping and redefining who we are as a country and finding our place in the world. So I think I see Cal's mission as a national mission and it's a it's an objective that I think would live beyond me. You know, there are people that would uh you know come along and push forward and would take it to new heights, which I'm looking forward to at the moment in terms of as Cal grows, um, as our sort of um you know our reach, our sort of staffing and our resources are continuing to grow. Um, I'm certainly hoping that others could take the mantle, you know, that I don't have to be the one. Yeah, you can't do it alone. I can't right? do it alone. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I've been described, you know, very, very humbly and I'm very humbled by it, by what people say as the, uh, the heart and soul of the Asian Australian movement. 
very blessed. And I tend to agree. Yeah. You're putting me in well, a very I was hard say, I was like, you're talking about the Captain America thing, you know, outside being not six foot four, but certainly I think as a, as a leader, yeah. you know, sort of in the Asian Australian mm. space, I think a lot of people turn their heads towards you, mm. partly because of, you know, again, that prolificness and how vocal you are, but you also got the backing of, you know, an institution that understands mm. some mm. of the issues that we seem to have in this yeah. country in general, right? So yeah, and I, and I think you know, I I, um, I think I said earlier on in our conversation that uh, I had aspirations to go to ANU, right? So because I wanted to be a diplomat, but now working there is something. It's else. funny how things come. I, it's funny how like you know you you are. I'm a Melbourne grad. I'm a proud to be a Melbourne grad, but. I feel very loyal to ANU because I spent there. I was there longer than I was at Melbourne, you know. But yeah. um, but you know, you're you're right. You know, having that backing of a national institution, um, having the support of uh, you know our vice chancellor. Like that's the other thing about Cal. I'm very blessed because we're sitting in the vice chancellor's portfolio, so we get that. You know, I call the vice chancellor's portfolio like the queen's hive. You know, like mm. it's the hive. It's the it's the beating heart of the university, and being a part of that you know, means that we are at that level where we could work across the university and make this a priority. And, you know, ANU is doing amazing things around gender equality with, with the global uh, global women's leadership, or global institute of women's leadership, JUUL, we call, uh, affectionately called JUUL. Then we've got the First Nations portfolio looking at indigenous reconciliation mm-hmm. and uh, indigenous empowerment. And then third, you've got Cal. So there's a nice sort of suite of diversity um, and, inclus- and inclusion um, initiatives mm. that ANU is hoping to be the gold standard for. And also, I always tell people, out of the four pillars of ANU, equity and equity, inclusion and diversity is one of the pillars, you know, mm-hmm. like, and to have that front and center and to have Cal a part of that, I think it's, you know, we are on our way. So, and, you know, the job's not done yet. We still have a long way to go, but mm. these national conversations are happening and mm. it's, I recognize it's more than me. You know, there are people everywhere that are doing this, allies, sponsors, mentors, people who come on your podcast, mm-hmm. you know, the people that you've interviewed and you've chatted to, the amazing things they're doing. Everybody's doing their bit. And maybe, maybe in our lifetime, we can be the country that we aspire to be, you know, mm. the most successful multicultural country yep. within our community at the grassroots, but also in at that top level. Yeah. You know, because I think you, <clears throat> you know, a lot of countries, particularly when they put on the big brand marketing campaigns, always <clears throat> talk about how we're a multicultural country. And I think it's a lot of like, um, again, chess beating. Mm. Um, and it's more yeah. around <clears throat> sort of what we like to believe you know i guess society to be particularly with the whole multiculturalism thing you see it probably with the us as well yeah, you know, yeah. the uk they talk about it specifically more london um and how every <clears throat> you know these are all multicultural cities but i think you know like without getting into the technicalities and definitions of multiculturalism i think it's like like you said it has to be on a grassroots level like you you should be able to at least in my eyes hmm. um you know bit like what we have now and i think it's progressively getting better i think back to you know, I was born in late 80s, early 90s, you know, and, you know, just like Geelong now, you can get bubble tea, you know, the prolificness <laughs> of like Asianness uh. just around everywhere, particularly here in Sydney and down in, you know, um, Melbourne as well. It's just mm. ridiculous. Like, if you think if you think back to like even five years ago, you know, like how different it is. I think that's for me a lot of that on at least sort of like a superficial level and what you see visually. And then obviously, of course, you know, from an institutional level with, you know, what's happening with organizations and that sort of stuff that we need to have more representation there as well. It's like how they say when you grow up, you need to be able to see representation in the media. So then you can actually start to dream about all these different things and things that you can achieve as well in life. 
Yeah, I mean, Lee Lin Chin was my go-to person back, yeah, in, the yeah, day, yeah. back in the day, you know, like, you know, just the fact that, you know, seeing her on television and then, um, but, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have a lot of role models, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> we loved, uh, that's why I watched a lot of Hong Kong drama, right? Mm-hmm. Watched a lot of Bruce Lee and, you know, watched a lot of um, others and then, you know, uh, and these things mean something, right? And then going back to the American example, you know, can you and I basketball fans, you know, and you know Vivian's coming along her way with basketball, <laughs> with basketball, the insanity, yeah, like what it. what that meant, you know, know, like this this skinny Asian kid from Harvard, you know, who I think he was undrafted actually, you know, like yep. coming in and the the coach Mike, I think it was Mike Antoni of, of the was, New yeah. York Knicks. Yep. Gave him a couple of minutes on the floor and he shined. <laughs> and, you know, 20 plus points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the lake. Exactly. On the, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Madison Square Garden, yeah. you know. And, and you know, I can't imagine, I mean, the Knicks, you know, a tragic team, right? In terms of like where, where they've sort of gone. Haven't had that boost since Patrick Ewing, right? In terms mm. of the late 90s or the mid 90s, right? Having Asian faces attend games, holding signs, Lynn Sanity, it means something. You know? It means something, you know. So, I, I was at the uh, Women's World Cup basketball yeah. world cup um game last oh, right. yeah, yeah. Viv, right? <clears throat> and it was just it was such a phenomenal experience because i was watching australia versus um china in the semi-finals <laughs> and i kid you not it was 80 percent of the stadium or the arena was chinese it did not feel That's like an aussie crazy. home game and, yeah, yeah and i think that is a really sort of encapsulates a lot about what mm. we're talking about here, <clears throat> which is like you don't realize just how 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 heavy the asian representation <clears throat> here is yeah uh, on yeah. a statistical level, right? It's we funny want to you mentioned everyone. It's <laughs> funny you mentioned that, right? Because I, I went to a, an exhibition game, a friendly game. I think this was the men's basketball team between China and Australia in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, the same same feel, right? Yeah. You know, people coming in with banners and flags. I felt like I was in China, you know, like mm. and and the great and this is again going but going back to what makes Australia great is they can do that you know, free from judgment. I mean, there is yep. judgment out there. There is a bit of negativity, which we're seeing, obviously, with the, the challenges around the bilateral relationship, you know, and the challenges that is placed on Chinese Australians. But overall, they could be themselves. They could cheer for whoever they want to cheer for, mm-hmm. you know. And I was, um, I remember I was sitting there with a whole bunch of DFAT crew, you know, our, you know, funny how I wanted to be a diplomat and I <laughs> hang around with DFAT people, <laughs> with Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, for those who don't understand the acronym, <laughs> Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade uh, uh, people. And I uh, were just like, you know, um, we're just sitting there trying to be diplomatic and it's like, who do we clap, you know, you know? <laughs> Like, you know, like, you I know, felt that actually. Like, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. Della Dover scores a bucket, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the Chinese center does this fadeaway turnaround, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> you, you know, like, that, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and, you know, I literally, it was great. It was just that atmosphere, you know, like, and, and I think that's where it goes back to our earlier point in our conversation, you know, I can be. Asian and I can be Australian. Well, one of the other things that I know we've spoken about in the past mm. is um, the importance of introspection as well, which yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we shouldn't focus too much also on just <clears throat> pointing fingers yeah. and, you know, sort of, I guess, um, making a fuss, so to speak, about, you know, our lack of representation, let's yeah. say. And I think um, Asian Australians have a part to play, at least certainly from my personal experience, that <clears throat> I could have done probably a lot better you know, in some of my past careers and, and professional experience in terms of putting myself in a better position, right? It's not always maybe the judgment is based on race or anything like that. I think there are certain qualities that Asian Australians, and yeah, again, yeah, just yeah. generalizing here, self-limiting yeah. beliefs that cause us to not achieve, you know, and that's why the bamboo ceiling exists and people talk about that. But, you know, and what's your take on introspection and what we should think about to give ourselves the best shot, you know, in terms of being in better leadership positions and things like that? I think it comes down to, you know, 
eliminating self-doubt and eliminating, you know, imposter syndrome, mm. eliminating um, that the thing that we're not good enough, but also not having to conform, right? Because I think the problem I see right now is, we'll go back to the Captain America analogy, people see that that's, that's leadership, right? Um, and it's really about, for me, from my perspective, it's about washing all that away, right? That we can be ourselves, be authentic, right? I'm using a lot of A words here, right? Mm. Despite the fact that I'm not an Asian or a Bijan, I'm a Bijan. <laughs> being authentic. It's about being authentic, you know, like being comfortable about who we are. And I think this is why the Asian Australian movement is so interesting because, you know, we, it's always been around, you know, it's always, the terminology has always been around, mm. but it hasn't seen the momentum that I've seen over the last couple of years. Mm. I'm very humbled that I've had a part to play in this space. Um, I'm very humbled that I've sort of supported people along the way that are now like, you know, prominent um, champions of the cause, mm. you know, and uh, for, you know, the people in the 40 under 40 are a great example, you know, um, people who are now coming along the journey, pushing for that bigger change, not just in their professions, but also what the Asian Australian identity means, right? And, you know, COVID obviously, dare I say, uh, was a big impact as well, mm. that people were starting to refer themselves as Asian Australian. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of emails from people that write to me and say, hey, Jay Young, I'm Asian Australian. I've never called myself that before. I am now because there is an environment Amazing. that could do that. Mm -hmm. I can comfortably call myself that without having people doubt me and without having people talking me down. Mm -hmm. So I think that re regardless of how we progress, change is generational. Mm -hmm. It may not happen in our lifetime, but if there's one thing that we could be proud of, all of us, is that Asian Australian identity is not just alive and well, but it's going strong. The mm. fact of the matter is that we're sitting here t having a podcast calling Level Asian, you know, leveling up. I love it. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's about leveling up, you mm. know? And the fact is you guys doing that. I know we talked about it when you were planning on launching it and now you're doing it, mm. right? You're creating this environment where we can actually have these conversations, but also having a fan base, a listener mm. base who could actually, you know, relate to, right? Mm. So I think it's about that. I think it's about, you know, being authentic, being who you are, not have, let's not go through what we went through as kids, thinking about dyeing our hair blonde or, you yeah, know, the conformity like, well, yeah, around yeah that. exactly. So hopefully that was a, a decent response to that to that question. You know, no, like, no, no, it was good. It was a lot good. of big words there, Ken. So. <laughs> a lot of buzz words. Well, a lot then, of buzz big words. Maybe, what, maybe. what do you feel like the future is going to look like for Asian Australians in our space that we've created or starting to create? Oh, I'm hoping to see more of a consolidated identity. So in terms of like what's happening in the US, for example, you know, we, we see, you know, they do that separation very well, Vivian. Like they separate being American and then being Asian American, mm. right? So I think from my perspective, uh, seeing that consolidation would be great. Um, that we're starting to see more and more um, initiatives, you know, like, uh, you know, Level Asian Podcast, Cal, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, maybe, you know, like other entities that could spring up that supports the ecosystem and supports the community. But having that general understanding, that consolidated underst and mainstream understanding of what that identity means mm -hmm. and what that label means dare i say label i'm a proud wearer of that label you know mm -hmm. and we should all be right because that's who we are we're being authentic we're being real and true to ourselves so i'm hoping to see more and more people talk about it more and more people share their experiences and more and more people contributing to mm -hmm. the ecosystem and because we can't do it alone you know and anybody who's listening to this who's you know following little asian podcast like i'm hoping they could also step up you know not just level up but step up mm to actually be a part of that journey with us. And, um, you know, having that 
sense of belonging is also super important. Yep. That we can see ourselves in the Australian tapestry, mm. you know, that we're not the outsiders. It is about being on the inside, yep. but it's also being about the influences that could actually shape the direction of our country. We're getting there, not there yet, but that's what I'm hoping to see. Yeah. And that is that we as a country is known in the world as the most successful multicultural country legitimately, mm. not not a marketing word or a buzzword, yeah. but something that we could actually live and breathe every day. And when people think of Australia, they think of multiculturalism yep. because I, I, I see that multiculturalism is not just a government policy. Um, I see it as a quintessential Australian value mm -hmm. and it's something that Australia should be deeply proud of um, and how it actually shapes our national identities. You know, the way I see it is, you know, having proud to be having the world's oldest continuous civilization mm. um, as our core part of our identity, you know, fueled by our cultural diversity, yep. bringing those two elements together. Um, and how do we support each other and also, you know, taking this country forward um, to new heights. So that's what I'm hoping to see. Yeah. And that mm. we could be proud about, you know, calling ourselves Asian Australian, yeah. you know, without having second thoughts. Mm. I definitely think like the younger generation has a louder voice now because- I do too. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. You no, know, Vivian, that's, a, that's an important point because like, I think I mentioned earlier on that people are starting to use that. They're mm. calling themselves that. And it's the younger generation that is really sort of turning the movement onto its own. Like old farts like me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, sort of like, you know, has-beens in a way. Like some people, you know, like can't keep up with the way that- how we're expressing ourselves, right? You know, just I'm like he couldn't get on the express train today. <laughs> no, 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 exactly right. I saw a train, I jumped on it, right? Whatever, two Lisa, yeah, they go that direction. I saw Parramatta, I jumped on it, right? So, so, um, but you know, like I think you know, young people are the, the way that they're messaging themselves, the way mm -hmm. that they're actually branding themselves. Now I'm talking to experts around branding, right? <laughs> so that's important, and that's the one thing that I would say that Asian Australians don't do enough of. Yeah. Mm. You know, in terms of um investing in your professional brand and your personal brand. And sometimes you've got to do a little bit of chest beating. Yes. I call it the peacock plumage effect. You know, sometimes you've got to- you got to fan flat, it a little you bit. you got to fan your plumage yeah. a little bit. But I'm, I have a lot of optimism because I think young people are doing that now, you know, and they're using different ways and very creative ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, you, we talked about it before. Right? I'm only on LinkedIn and that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> I, I am not attractive enough to go on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to go on TikTok and- <laughs> Facebook, well, who's on Facebook? With you guys? <laughs> who's on Facebook these days, right? So, so you know, but but it's really about investing in that, you know. And I think young people in the next generation, they are very good at it. Mm -hmm. You know, they they are expressing themselves in different ways and being creative, and also, you know, breaking through boundaries and barriers and thinking outside the box. And you know, and, and I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. You know, like what you guys are doing with uh, Level Asian. You know what? Um, I discovered there was a there's a Korean dessert store in Melbourne. You know, they make the best like, Scoopy. Korean. Scoopy. Yeah. Oh, Scoopy. Yeah. Scoopy. Big plug for Scoopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big plug for Scoopy. You know, like you know, and you know, and there and, and these things are happening, right? You know, and and it's you know, one day we might see I don't know a version of the Melbourne Club that's like you know an Asian club or something. You know, mm. um, you know, where we sort of gather together, play mahjong and hop and not be judged for it, and not as be well. judged mm. for it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Like the the sky's the limit, and mm -hmm. I think that. But, but as long as we're comfortable in our own self-identity, I think we can break through. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think what I want to tell young people and our young and aspirational and emerging leaders is, 
you don't have to conform. You don't have to be something that you're not. Mm. You know, if you're an introvert, you don't have to be an extrovert. Mm. You know, when you're an extrovert, you don't have to be an introvert. You know, you you, you can actually be yourself and, and get ahead. That's what I want. And in answer to your earlier question, Vivian, what do I see mm. in the future is I want that. I mean, I, I, the comment I was going to make about, um, in, and I was actually going to talk about young yeah. people as well, mm. which yeah, is, yeah. Um, you know, uh. even the subtle things, and I'm someone who just sees the details and things. I, I see a lot of, mm. even if you look at people, the Instagram handles, younger people, Asian Australians, they always have flag emojis. Yeah. You know, it's always the Australian flag with whatever mm. yeah. Asian flag that they've yep. got. I think these little subtle changes are generally sort of some of the catalysts that usually evolve into something bigger. And you sort mm. of look at the big, you know, youth or political movements in history as yeah. someone who studies history. Um, most of that, a lot of that comes from youth. Yes. And I think yes. youth is uh, very powerful in the sense of, um, you know, and I sound old saying this now, but, <laughs> but you know, like. Uh, so Vivian's the only young one on this She's the only young one. <laughs> That's right, with the old farts having a chat. Um, uh, but, you know, like I think no, youth, is, right. youth definitely is a big catalyst for this. And I think they're massive amplifiers. They're, they're vocal, they're unapologetic, mm. you know, with this sort of stuff. And, and sometimes I think us older people tend to go, ah, oh, you know, whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, we've been there, done right. that, we've tried it, it doesn't yeah. work. And we have this narrative in our head, whereas, you know, young people actually are very ambitious mm. um, about what it is that they want to do as well. But I do have a pointed question. Were yeah. you going to say something? Just no, I was going to say, like, I love the reference to history because if you look at all the major historical movements, they are driven by young people. Yeah. All these ideologies that have come to be, that have turned from an ideology an idea to an actual outcome has been driven by young people. And even when I talk to young people now, right, and, you know, the way that they sort of express themselves is so different, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they they don't feel like they have to prove that they are Asian Australian. They just say mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what I love about it is that they're so proud of it, you know. Yeah, you know, I am Asian Australian. What's your point? Or, you know, like, why is this a barrier or what are the issues, you know? And I say, oh, you know, the bamboo ceiling is real. What bamboo ceiling? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and it's sort of like, and I love that. I love that energy and I love that confidence. And we need it because that's how we sort of chug ahead. That's how we push ahead. Yeah. If we're always well, pessimistic, we- 100%. I was thinking um, Lee Tran from Dropbox and she actually yep. reminded us that um, this is very early on in the race in the sense that, a lot, you know, if you think about the Italians and the first generation European yeah, yeah, migrants, yeah. and when they first came here, you know, they are now, you know, four or five generations in and are a fabric of, you know, Australian culture. Yeah, and I think yeah. the Asians, you talk about generational as well, yeah. I, over the next coming generations, we're yeah. going to see a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm super optimistic about the whole thing as well. And I, the question I was going to ask you, and this is a bit of a, like a left turn, what's your parents' opinion about what you're doing now? And then what is your <laughs> wife's opinion about what you're doing now? <laughs> oh, I think well, my parents have always been very support supportive in terms of, um, again, you know, I think maybe we were a bit ahead of our time um, in terms of you don't have to be like a doctor or a lawyer. So I didn't get that from my parents. And I hear a lot from your other previous, you know, like <laughs> guests and they talk about that experience growing up that parents had an expectation that either you're a doctor or a lawyer or worse, if you can't do that, an engineer, right? <laughs> right, you know, you know? <laughs> worse if you can't do that. But my parents never had that. So my mum's always like, that's why she's a rock in my life. She's always like, go do what you want to do. 
Um, and, and then, you know, and we also came from a family of actually of public service. So, you know, we talked about starting off from my childhood and who I am, but now let me take you to a couple of generations back, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my grandfather, so my mother's father was um, a soldier in the, uh, in the National Chinese Army back in the uh, late 20s and early 30s, 1920s, 1930s. Mm-hmm. My great-grandfather, again, from my mother's side, I just realized that my father's side hasn't had many cool people. It's really my mum's side. I should be taking her surname, actually, not my dad. But uh, my, and my, so my, my mum's grandfather, so my great-grandfather, he, uh, so he participated in the Chinese Revolution. The first one, not the, not the, uh, the red not, one, not the red one <laughs> but the original one, yep. the OG one yep. um, in 1911, wow. um, you know, overthrowing uh, the Qing dynasty. So wow. we've always had like, and, you know, he met Sun Yat-sen, the founding father of uh, modern China. Mm-hmm. So we've always had a sense of service, you know, in terms of like public service, regardless, and also creating progressive positive change and impact so it's always been like it's been in the blood it's been in the blood in yeah. a way so so yeah mum and dad never sort of like stopped me from doing that and but now there's always saying every time they see me in the news or they're a bit more weary they're like oh you know they hate Chinese people at the moment so because of the relationship with China be careful you know like don't put yourself out there so much um, just do your job you know like, <laughs> such an Asian you know, response but, but now I think I think if we if we didn't have the, the tensions with the bilateral relationship if the right rise in, in of China and the way that we are managing the relationship, if that was done better, mm. maybe they would not have said that. But now, obviously, it's a bit difficult. And, mm. uh, and you know, we don't want to signal out Asian Australians, obviously, because they're so diverse, right? But then for Chinese Australians <laughs> in particular, I think, you know, obviously, that sort of geopolitical impact has had um, a major role in sort of their sense of belonging in Australia. So mm. now they're like, just, just, can you please just not say anything or, you know, don't talk about China. But I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about Asian Australian representation. Oh, okay. So, they just think that I'm talking about China. So, but I think, you know, they're very supportive. They um, like the fact that I work at a university, that I'm not a, <laughs> but I'm not a professor. So, I'm like, sorry, mom, I'm not a professor. Um, no, but, you know, because you know, the Asian culture has so much respect for education. It's sort of like, you know, it was, it was a great place to be. So, they're very supportive. So, as for my wife, I think she's sort of, she's very different, her and I. We're very different people. Mm. She is the actual Asian. So, she's very good at maths. She's very mm. good at like numbers the, and the all, the, all the technical stuff. And yeah. I'm just hopeless at that. So, we are a great match. And she, gra- <laughs> she grounds me, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like uh, she was looking at photos about the awards last night. Uh, it's all over social media now. And she's like, why are you not up there? And I'm like, oh, that's all right. I'm just doing the back. I'm just doing, um, you know, uh, making sure that the thing doesn't fall apart. No, you should be up there. And I'm like, you know, she was so blunt, right? She was texting me this morning, you know, and, and yeah, so why are you that not up there? That was what that phone know? call was yeah. about as well. <laughs> no, but she's very different. So I think, you know, she doesn't fully understand it, um, but at the same time, she's very supportive. So, and, um, you know, and she sort of reminds me that, you know, when I had that moment, you know, on I, I shared on LinkedIn in terms of like the difficulties of actually yes, being, that, yeah. being the torchbearer mm. and, you know, and then I, I thank you both for reaching out and reminding me that I'm not the only one doing this, right? Mm. And I remember she said to me, she's like, you know what, is it worth it? Is it worth all this? You know, and I say, yeah, I think it is, you know, for, mm. for Hopeland, my daughter, for future generations of Asian Australians, yeah, it is worth it. But she's like, you know, remember self-care. Mm-hmm. So she's always sort of like, yeah, the reminder. She's yeah, she's always, that yeah. sort of balancing act She's, she's the balance. I think she yeah. injects, I, 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 I'm not sure whether you guys have picked up in our conversation, but I don't have much logic, right? So I go from A to Z to B to D to mm. C, right? 
but she's very she's highly logical so she sort of grounds me yep. and gives me that sort of uh she she gives me that logic that i don't have mm. so and i think we need that sometimes yeah. so and i recognize my weaknesses i recognize my gaps and i think that's a big part of leadership also is to understand that what you're good at what you're not good at mm. and being comfortable about that mm. you can't do everything yep and but for her, I think she sort of like fills in those slots that I don't have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she doesn't, she's, she's just amazed that I'm able to turn this into a center like, you know, and turn it into a, turn what we're, what, turn my passion into an actual center. But she also, um, whilst you may not outright say it because it may not come to your head, but, you know, I think Davey puts a lot of big importance on this is the support of your partner, mm-hmm. whether it's your wife, your mm-hmm. boyfriend, whoever, right? Yeah. And that yeah. is that they give you permission to allow you to do what you do because you are in a position mm-hmm. that is highly, I wouldn't say scrutinized, but it's it's under the microscope of yeah. the spotlight a fair yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, are, you have to be on pretty much a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And so if you don't have that rock... <clears throat> in the family environment, it makes it incredibly difficult to be able to juggle what you do and still be able to have a very harmonious life, you know. And, and this is probably like one of my, and can't sort of cut you off because I had a thought bubble. No, yeah, it's really related to that point because I'm not very good at switching off. So, you mm. know, you pointed that out. Like I'm always on, right? Mm. The, 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 the on switch is always on. There's no, mm. hardly you, the off switch goes on. So, and she sort of reminds me all the time that when you're at home, please don't work. Mm. But sometimes you can't help it, right? Because you're always wanting to like catch up or you're wanting to answer that email or that phone call or that text. And she's always like, just don't, right? Just don't work. And, and, and she's very good at it. She's able to separate work and home very well. And I'm not very good at it. So I, I, it's all sort of mixed up in my head. So, so I appreciate the fact that she does remind me of that. But at the same time, you know, yeah, they do give you permission and that privilege and that opportunity to be involved and do what you want to do. But a big decision for me not to pursue politics, because I think we talked about I was a um, mm. part of my early on in my career. Um, I was a local government counselor. I was elected very young. I was 23. So I spent my 20s in politics and you know people say why do you never take a holiday i couldn't i have an obligation to to you represent my, yeah, yeah i I, mm. I need to represent my community you know and when you take a holiday and you don't answer phone calls people get stressed out and mm. people want help and i just didn't want to do that to people so mm. uh, so i spent my 20s pretty much like as a local politician as a local councillor and one of the reasons why i decided not to go higher is um she didn't want me to so she's sort of like I don't like, I don't want our lives to be in the spotlight, mm-hmm. um, and I respect that. So I was you know I, I had desires to be an MP you know because mm. again you know I, once you got a taste of local government or politics you know there are things that you've done and you wanted to actually take it further right mm. there are only certain things that you can do in local government and you're thinking you know what I can take it to the next you level really outgrow it yeah no, you outgrow it mm. you know it's like a, like a business you outgrow it mm. you move on to a bigger pond or a bigger bigger lake or a bigger river. Um, but she told me straight out, she's like, no, nah, I don't want, I don't want this. You know, like I don't want our, I don't want our lives to be in the public scope. You can create change elsewhere. You don't have to be in politics. Mm. And I respect that. Mm. And I actually, you know, had the conversation internally within myself to actually lock that away internally. And that was a big part of me, right? Again, yep. going back to the conversation about acceptance, mm. about recognition, mm. about serving the community, because when you serve your community, when you serve your country, that's also a form of recognition and acceptance in terms of enhancing your belonging. Mm. So it was a big part of me and I wanted to do that. And out of the love and respect for her, and I just locked it away and mm. it's still locked away. Mm. So people always ask me, do you want to go back to politics? Um, 
I say no because like I, I've sort of like put that aside. I've sort of like moved on from life. But then, you know, the other day my wife said to me, oh, yeah, maybe when you're 50 or 60, when, <laughs> when Hopeland's all grown up. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have energy for that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so, but, you know, I, I, maybe she's, I don't know, how, she's come around a little bit, but like, um, but yeah, no, it's locked away. It's sort of like, but I know that we can actually create more change or even not more change, but actually create change. Yep. You don't have to be in politics for it. Mm. But that doesn't stop me from supporting people who want to be in politics. Yep. And I've got that sort of track record in doing that. But I so. think the lesson is also that what, whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing, whatever everyone else is doing, um, there's imperfection in what it is that we're doing. I yeah. think we're all sort of like figuring it out as mm. we go. And I think there's a, you know, we might on a surface level seem like we know exactly where we're going, mm. what we're doing and how we're going to go mm. about it. But I think a lot of mm. that is, you know, it's like a duck paddling, you know, sort mm. of frantically underwater. You know, we look very calm on the surface, but there's a lot of uh, franticness, so to speak, oh, underneath. Well, no, I never thought that I would be, uh, be become the founding director of mm. Cal. And being a, a director of a research institute without a PhD, like <laughs> didn't expect that. You know what I mean? Like, so you're right. I think sometimes, like, you don't know where life takes you, and you don't know where your career takes you, and you don't know what opportunities lies ahead. But you know, I've always been somebody who wants to do different things. You know, as I mentioned, I worked in not for profit. I worked in sport, entrepreneurship, government, politics. Um, you know, so you know, uh, events management. You know, I've done a whole bunch of things. And I just feel like I wanted to continue with that. You know, I'm keen to do, uh, you know, I'm keen to move into venture capital. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my next goal at the moment. I'm keen to, in the future, if venture capital does well in terms of that goes well, I'm keen to do philanthropy. Mm -hmm. I want to give back. Um, I want to be in a position where I right now, a big part of my role at Cal is to get donations from donors. I want to be on the, on the giving end rather than the asking end, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I want to be able to do that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, politics, maybe, I don't know. But, um, but uh, you know, it, it's always been in the back of my mind. And people always say, you know, like, you're, you've got a natural knack for it. You know, you, you, we, if you want to create change, it's always in politics, you know. You know, and sometimes, like, my mentors and sponsors remind me of that, right? They're like, politics, public policy, that's how, that's where the real change happens. That's where you shift the country in terms of where it goes. But... But then I look at what we do now and I look at what you guys are doing and what everyone else around me is doing. Mm. It's not the only avenue anymore. The yep. world has changed. I think so. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, just drawing from someone like Gary Vee, you mm. know, sort of very prolific in the, the branding and the marketing scene, which is the world yeah. that I'm sort of involved in. And he says some of the biggest things that we now is nostalgia. You know, yeah, yeah. brand, brand, tribalism. Yeah. You know, this is why he's so <gasps> bullish on like hip hop. Hip hop mm. is just tribalism, you mm. know, and it sort of permeates across cultures and, you know, race and all sorts of things, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, that's right. And, you know, one of the biggest things that we thought about with, you know, even Level Asian and everything that we're doing, and Viv <clears> reminds <throat> me of it, partly because she's younger, but also it's that. <laughs> and more, and more like, you know, just more trendy and, you know, <laughs> no, thinking, that's you know right. thinking outside the box. Exactly. You know, you know. And, um, you know, just how do we, how do we engage? particularly younger people, mm. um, you know, and this is not a, a, a go at, you know, yet last night and everything like that, but no, it was no. a different crowd. Different yeah. crowd, you know? absolutely. And so absolutely. Everyone, everyone plays the different pockets as to what's happening. No, and, absolutely. You know, you yeah. need to include everyone where we can and I think we're all just trying to figure it out. And yeah, and the one thing, this is again, you know, proving how old I am, right? And also not thinking outside the box. People are like, where's the after party? Where's the <laughs> where's the hot pot? Where's the karaoke? And I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. Do you, you know, know what? Like, you should go find a den with Mahjong and then just <laughs> yeah. have fun. That would be the that, best. That's my dream. That's my dream. My dream, I reckon, is to like buy a nice, or, you know, buy a nice piece of property in the middle of Sydney or Melbourne and just create this Mahjong den, <laughs> right? Like where, you know, we can come in and say, oh yeah, you know, 
so you know who, who's going to be the next CEO of Telstra? Because <laughs> yeah. you know? that's what Melbourne club. That's what those clubs do. That's right. what you know, those are the those are the you know the the the, the string pullers. You know those are the the big the big dogs that actually can influence. Right. Mm. We want to be in that position too. You know, mm. like we want to be in a position where we can back our own, but also supporting others as well and say. Yeah, and the, you know, let's 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 play that too. Literally yeah. and figuratively, building your own house, right? Mm. Oh, sort of literally, stuff. yeah, exactly yeah. right. Now, like, <laughs> why can't we, like, you know, all hang around in a mahjong den and actually have hop on? You know, the other question I really wanted to ask yeah, was, yeah. what do you, who, and what are you most excited about? You know, in the yeah. next, in the coming mm. years, like, Gasman Paul, someone who comes yep. to mind all yep. the time, yep. um, and I think there's um, definitely a lot of focus on what she's doing there. But you know, besides her, who you sort of, if you were like, if someone oh, came to Jay wow. and went, yeah. all right, Jay Young, if I wanted to understand what was happening in the landscape of what you're doing now, what are you most excited about? Oh, that's a, no, mate, that's a hard question because there's, <laughs> there, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just going back to forty under forty, thinking about the awardees, you know, as a starting point, right? Mm. And there's also not even the 160 awardees that have now been awarded since the awards establishment, but also the hidden gems that we don't know yep. out mm-hmm. there, right? I mean, I always tell people that, you know, I'm a door opener. That's what I do. I'm not there to, you know, I can open the door for you, but if you can't stay in the room, I can't help you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so, so I think with Yasmin, she's living proof that, yeah, I was very privileged and to break down some barriers and open some doors for her, but she's thrived. That's all her what she's been able to achieve right now yeah she grabbed it with two hands she's Mm -hmm. you know thinking about yasmin you know in 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 the area of politics and you know and and public policy um you think about oh you know obviously the the big names right you know the existing names like melanie perkins you know Mm -hmm. uh with canva right Mm -hmm. but then you know one of our judges um Vu, you know Vu Tran, mm. uh, the co-founder of Go One. You know one of our emerging unicorns, right? Oh, there's so many. Like it's it's hard to wrap, you know go through them all. But and, and that's the thing is that there are so many hidden gems out there that we haven't discovered, we haven't mm. unearthed. Mm. Sorry about the the gems analogy <laughs> and the rocks analogy and the geology analogy, but it's about it's about unearthing hidden gems, and these hidden gems deserve to be. They're already polished, in my mm. view. It's just unearthing them. We yeah. don't have to polish them. I know that you mentioned some um, bit of advice for younger people, but I guess any parting words or other advice for people looking into getting uh, getting into something similar to you or mm. looking to make an impact or positive change for themselves and for everyone else? Don't underestimate the ability of networking. I think, you know, um, sometimes I feel like we don't do it enough as Asian mm. Australians. Um, but it's also not about how many people you know, it's who you know and who mm. knows you, yes. right? Mm. Um, and I think that investing time in those networks is critical. Um, I would also say to young people or those who are aspiring to sort of do what we're doing and what you guys are doing and others um, is to don't be afraid. Just ask, you know, like, and just reach out to people. And I'm really like lucky that people do reach out and say, hey, I've got this problem. Can you help? Or I want to do this. Can you, can I run this idea by you? Like, and that's great. And to keep that up, I think mm-hmm. it's important that, you know, ask for help when you need it, ask for advice when you need it and ask for opinions when you need it. But also to, yeah, be authentic, be who you are. You know, don't don't ever doubt that, don't ever doubt your place in this country. Mm. Sometimes we're all driven by self-interest and I get that. And I think sometimes it's thinking beyond that as well is to, yeah, look beyond that. Um, how do you actually support somebody? And, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, right? Mm. Change takes a long time, uh, but also don't lose focus, I think. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's it's... it's it's hard. You start whatever you want to start something, right? Starting a movement, starting a business, creating an idea, seeing it through. 
it's hard and yeah. you've got to have that patience and consistency mm. and i think that's what i shared with the both of you right talking mm. about level asian right you know and running a podcast is i think it's tough i admire the both of you for doing it creating that environment but also it's that consistency that would actually get you to that next level yeah, i agree it's important powerful. yeah and um you know, and I haven't forgotten, but I do want to know the, name? the meaning behind your name. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so my name, for those who don't understand Chinese, I apologize. So, Gai Yong is Cantonese and Jie Yong is Mandarin. So, Jie is Jie Shao, so introduced, right? Okay. And Yong is, um, there was actually an emperor named after Yong and he was a pretty good one. Um, but Yong really, the meaning is actually generosity, but also thinking about the bigger picture. Mm. don't let the little things bog you down I must admit like I've there are often times that I don't live up to that because you know sometimes little things can sh- can shake you as do all of us as yeah. do all of us as you mm. say uh, thank you you know <laughs> <laughs> as you you know yeah, right back at you you know it's true you know like we, we will get shaken you know every now and then but you know the name that uh, it's actually my mum that gave me the name uh, she picked the characters mm-hmm. um, my dad actually wanted to be my dad actually wanted to call me uh which is Chiang Kai-shek, that character. Oh. Jiexi, okay. right? Yeah. And I'm like, and my mom's like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> she must have foreseen something, right? That was a dumb idea. JY, look, appreciate you um, coming on the show. Mm. Came all the way up from Melbourne. Um, I was saying to Vivi, you're more elusive than a rare Pokemon. Yeah. And I'm so glad we finally had the master board to catch her, you know, JY to come on the show. So yeah, I appreciate no, no, you coming I'm not sure on. where they're like, now you're starting on another analogy, right? Like, <laughs> You know, you know, big fan of Pokemon, you know, like I love Pokemon and like, you know, and I think the great thing about this podcast is, you know, the opportunity just to talk about these things, right? Mm. Like, you know, we're not, not just talking about the issues, but talking about who, that's a great thing about, you know, Level Asian and what I love about it is that, you know, you dive into not just, you know, the, the, the achievements of the guests that you bring on, but also what makes them tick, right? And, mm. you know, Pokemon was a big part of it for me. Like, <laughs> I, I still play Pokemon Go despite people who, who yeah. don't play it anymore. I think my, my uh, alias is like Asian Oz 85, right? <laughs> you know, so if you find Asian Oz 85 for our listeners, Gym add battle. me, add me, right? You know, like, you know, Asian Oz 85. So, but no, I, I, it's great. It's a real pleasure. Um, I, I'm a big fan and I uh, look forward to fanboying you guys, you know, fangirling you guys for like many, many, many more years to come. And I look forward to seeing this, you know, like, Going to the next level. Appreciate so, it. Pun intended. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> next and level, not just for Asian Australians, but for the podcast. That's so. it. Exactly. And thank look, you. thank you so much. And uh, I, I think there's an opportunity, I think, for a round two at some stage. And, you know, we have some plans. <laughs> we're supposed we to go down to Melbourne. Down. We'll, we'll yeah, track yeah, down this elusive Pokemon called JYL. <laughs> and then we'll go from there. But I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Thank my you. real pleasure. Thank appreciate you very much. Thanks for listening to the Level Asian podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode. And why not share it with friends and family who might enjoy it too? Also, make sure you head over to levelasianpodcast.com to join our email list and to receive the latest updates and get notified when the next episode drops. If you know a great guest we should feature, email us at contact at levelasianpodcast.com or DM us on our socials in the show notes. Catch you on the next episode.